Hello, you are listening to the Priority Sale Podcast. I'm Jesse Lefine, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Sarah Weshi. Hi, Sarah. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing well, are you? Doing good. So like me, uh, you come to a selling position from a marketing background, correct? Yes, that is correct. And as such, we really enjoy having many conversations about the role of marketing. And uh, during a conversation the other day, uh, we asked each other a question that I thought was definitely worth a podcast topic, which is, is modern marketing putting sellers in harm's way? Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. And it sounds, um, you know, dire to, to say, oh, am I putting my sellers in, in harm's way? Um, but I would sum that, or I would answer that to a certain extent by saying yes, because I believe that as long as marketers are, um, going after existing demand, it diminishes the ability, the amount of value that salespeople can show with later stage deal leads that are coming in. And that's a, that's a really important concept there, uh, what you just said, existing demand. Uh, we contrast existing demand with emerging demand. Would you mind telling us a little bit about the difference? Sure. So existing demand is, um, simply put, a prospect that already has an idea, whether it's correct or not, of what they want or need or think they do. Um, so they're coming to you, um, they're coming into the sale or they're coming into the buyer's journey saying, I have this problem and I need X to solve it. And so I'm going to go out to Google and find all the people that do X. By um, just naming it and typing it in and trying to find what it's called. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. Like they're going to, they're going to put their own name to it and and go and try and find somebody that can solve um what they, you know, that problem that they, they have, or they think they have. Um, emerging demand is a prospect that may not even know they have a problem, um, or they don't know yet, um, that they have something they need to solve or fix. Chances are they do. There's something there. There's a, you know, we, we call it a, a priority, but there's something there that they need to, um, whether it's resolve or they need to address, um, but they, they don't have an answer yet. And I'd say even, it might not even be something that they even knew they needed or wanted. You know, what's interesting is we talk a lot about being more consultative sellers this idea of emerging demand almost makes a new category of consultative marketer. Is that possible? Oh yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I'd say really, I think really good marketers right now are using, um, you know, insights or, or that, um, like that insightful information to, um, uh, you know, challenge traditional thinking um, but I still think they're, they're making those connections with prospects that are, again, already like, okay, I have this, this problem, and maybe I never thought of it this way, but I'm still coming to the table with, with 
this problem that I have preconceived notions about. I think marketers have a real opportunity to get even more consultative or an ahead of that prospect by going to them with information. And it might be, it might be a different level in the organization or a different, different um, target persona, but going to that person and, and putting information in front of them that they may have just com completely changes the way they think about something or um, something they haven't even thought of yet as a way so to improve. That's, that's really, really fascinating. And I think it flies in the face of how a lot of sales organizations today really operate, which is they place this volume goal on marketing. I need mm -hmm. a certain number of leads. I need a certain number. I mean, it's the same is true on the selling side. I need yes. a certain number of pipeline moves, whatever the, the thing is. Um, but there's really rarely any consideration given to the quality of those leads. Now I know that there's, you know, fancy software out there that will quote unquote score those based on certain criteria that you input varying degrees of success uh, with things like that. But the idea that a marketer's job is not to get a volume of leads that are probably existing demand that are probably procurement stage type things, but rather get to the right person in the organization and do something really powerful, which is name the problem that they know that they're facing. Mm -hmm. uh, that is something that I think would be really, really foreign to a lot of B2B sales organizations today. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. I think a lot of B2B sales organizations, you hit the nail on the head. It's a numbers game. And um, whether it's um, X number of leads to, you know, a close ratio, whether it's um, you know, X number of salespeople making X number of calls a day, getting this many contacts. Um, you know, I agree. I think a lot of, um, a lot of us default to these numbers. And I think from a marketing standpoint, that's exactly it. We just, we cast this net. And, um, as long as we're converting people, we're providing sales leads and it really, it, it creates this handoff in the buyer's journey. That's, that's, I think, always existed between sales and marketing where, okay, marketing, you go out there and you, you drive these leads and then you hand them over to sales and sales closes them. And in my opinion, it, it just sets sales organizations and revenue organizations up for a dysfunctional relationship between sales and marketing um, because there's always that pointing fingers at each other of, you know, well, marketing got all these leads. Why can't sales close them? And, you know, sales, you know, back and forth. Well, the leads are terrible. Um, it, we talk about sales and marketing alignment too, but I think it goes beyond that to where um, sales and marketing are actually functioning together um, through today's buyer's journey in order to really be successful. They have to function together throughout the buyer's journey with a prospect, if that makes sense. It does. One of the things about that handoff that I've never really understood is you have this wall between sales and marketing. And so marketing creates all of these messaging, you know, tools, things that, that they take into the marketplace. And just by way of um, sort of mental illustration here, I'll say that marketing has a bunch of speech bubbles and they all say circle, 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 right? And so you get this prospect that's on the internet or however they come across this message. 
And the prospect says, I like circles. I like circles quite a bit. Tell me more about these circles. Mm-hmm. And then you get this handoff and you toss that lead over the wall and you have no idea whether the sales team is talking to them about squares or triangles or some other yeah. uh, polygon, I suppose it would be. Uh, so this idea that there needs to be separation between marketing and sales is, I think, a selfish one on behalf of the organizations that do this. And it's selfish because they're looking at the skill sets of marketers and they're looking at the skill sets of salespeople. And the organization is saying, boy, this would be a lot easier for us if we just separate these two into two separate functions. Mm-hmm. And I feel sorry for that prospect that's going along that journey and is getting different messages from both sides of the revenue function uh, that might laugh at how far along the pipeline marketing thinks they are versus sales thinking they are. All of these things are absolutely creating a lot of friction in the buying process that I think could go away if everybody marketing, sales alike, really just started to think about themselves as sellers. And that handoff that you just talked about, I think at that point, that looks a little bit different if that revenue culture is really established. Yeah, I agree. I think it goes back to your original question about, um, you know, is marketing putting sellers in harm's way? Because with that handoff, um, you know, the, the typical convert conversation is, well, marketing, this lead converted here. Or, you know, we, any other software that can track, you know, all the things they did on the website and yada, yada, yada. But it almost puts sales behind um, uh, like discovery or they have to start from scratch to a certain extent. And at that point, the prospect, as we know, they're, they're so far in their buyer's journey and they, they think they know all the things that sales is playing catch up or they're stuck in a conversation, a procurement conversation. Can you do it? How much does it cost? Um, and that, you know, it just diminishes the value in the organization. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, it's, it's it, tactically sales and marketing are different, but strategically sales and marketing need to be um, in this together. You know, they need to, I I've been throwing this term around. They need to hunt together to win together because that disjointedness will, you will never, you will never uh, maximize your revenue um, capacity or opportunity if you continue to have these different, um, I don't know, different strategies or mentalities about how you, how you um, actually win prospects. I think that's a that's a good transition and a and a nice place to pivot because what I what I don't want this to be is just us telling people things are bad for 15 minutes and then walking away. So, knowing <laughs> that we do need uh, to hunt together to win together, uh, what are some things that marketing and sales can be doing together in order to start functioning as one unit to start you know actually f- fulfilling that promise? Well, I mean. I, you know, after you have a kumbaya moment between your sales and marketing (laughs) teams and, you know, um, I think it starts with um, as simple as um, your establishing your elevator pitch together or what we call your priority position. I'd probably start there um, and say, here's a, here's a spot where, you know, everybody in the organization from top to bottom needs to be on the same page about how we talk about the value we bring. 
Um, that would certainly solve my triangle circle square analogy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I'd start there with, with establishing that, um, you know, why, um, what are, you know, what are those values that we bring? What is our, um, our elevator pitch or our priority position? What are our insights? And it's working, it's really working together at that strategic level to um, establish um, that foundational messaging. Um, and I think sellers need to commit to using it. And I think marketers need to come out from behind their, you know, the buyer personas that we like to build about, you know, Sally, the prospect and what she does in her free time and actually, um, you know, get some face time with clients and be part of that sales process. That's, that's a fantastic uh, closing thought there in terms of marketers historically tend to think of their prospects in terms of demographic information mm -hmm. and um, they sort of creep into some psychographic stuff occasionally. Uh, but really what we're asking the marketing function of an organization to start doing in the priority cell is we, we know we want to be in earlier. We know that necessarily getting in earlier means higher up in the organization and when you're in early and you are at that level in the organization, insights are way more valuable than information. Information is unimportant. It's cheap. Uh, it is not necessary at that level of that sale. So for marketers to think more psychographically and to really dive into what are the threats that we're solving as an organization together, how can I help them realize you know, why is this problem happening? What is the name of this thing? How can we work on this together? Uh, and not, you know, feature benefit, you know, possibly benefit squared, if you will. Yep. Uh, and, and really start to get into that insight space. What can I tell an executive who is having this problem, but might not realize it to get their attention uh, in, in this moment and use that attention to leverage it for the first three minutes and use the, those three minutes to leverage it for the next 15 and use those 15 minutes to get the one hour meeting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's your, um, marketing can, can gain a lot of knowledge from sales. Um, and I think sales can, um, learn how to, how to articulate the message really well from marketing. Um, those are like the strengths of those, um, of those two areas and, um, marketing has a role in supporting, um, that sales effort, but I think marketing can also really show some leadership as well in helping to develop those, um, those insights and, and that positioning that really helps sales, um, you know, instead of focusing on driving leads, it's like marketing can think of it as I'm going to instead deliver prospects to, you know, I'm going to deliver my salespeople to prospects versus I'm going to try and deliver leads to my salespeople. I love that distinction. And that is a nice optimistic note to end on. So we just got all the way from is marketing putting sellers in harm's way to, I think, a pretty uplifting, optimistic outlook yes. on marketing. We, we did. We came full circle. Well done. And now it is time to play my favorite game because I invented it. Is this a thing? 
So Sarah, is this a thing? We're going to talk today about pain points. Is pain points a thing? Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, they are. So yes, uh, I know where you're going with this. I believe pain points are a thing. They are real. We have lots of pain points in our daily and personal and professional lives. Um, it's also where I think marketers get stuck on solving pains, right? Um, and I think, I think sellers too. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm going to stop. I pick on marketers because that's what I am. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we get stuck on these pain points. And if we can just solve our customers' pains, we're in, you know, we, we've got it, you know, in the bag. But if you personify this and think about yourself, how many pain points do you live with? How many painful things do you live with in your life? You know, um, I think I used the analogy earlier of like a squeaky door in your house. I mean, how many times do you walk by that door? You use that door and you think to yourself, oh, I just got to go find the WD-40 and spray this thing. But you probably live with that squeaky door for six months. So just because it's a pain doesn't mean that you are actually going to do anything about it. Sarah, I am in the midst of selling a house uh, right now. And uh, this is the, the first time I'm going through this. And the things that you have to fix are just like this shameful litany of stuff that I have been dealing with for the past eight years. Uh, the door that doesn't close quite right, the outlet that isn't never been installed on the outside of the house, the light that never actually worked, the bathtub that was chipping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, so you're absolutely right about that. We totally live with pain points all the time. Yeah. So they are, they are, um, they are a thing and I think they are usable. Um, but, you know, I think it's good to know what your customer's pains are, but I just don't think you can stop there. You've got to, you've got to dig further than pain points. Oh, excellent. So I'm going to cheat in this game, but I'm going to do so by agreeing with you a hundred percent. I was going to call pain points half a thing, half a thing, because okay. I think for the longest time as sellers, uh, we're told you have to go, you know, collect the pain points. What are the pain points? There's a problem with this for a couple of reasons. Number one, we should go up and say, hey, it sounds like this might be a pain. And because of this thing called survey bias, our prospects not along and they say, yeah, that's, that's a pain that I have. And so I think that our line of questioning, it's easy to get it's, it's easy to get lazy with our line of questioning. Uh, and whenever we toss out something that could be a pain point, I think we get a lot of nodding heads and yeah, that sounds about right. Which isn't necessarily going out and finding pain and asking good, hard questions and listening to the answers and really uncovering what's going on behind that. The, the other problem with pain points as a, as a concept for me in selling is that we're taught to you know go collect these pain points but we're never really told what to do with them. Uh, so it's like, okay, uh, you know, seller, go out, ask about these pain points. Okay, that's a live grenade, right? And I'm just going to put that grenade in your hand and you hold on to that. We're going to use that later, but, you know, I'll, I'll let you know when. And then so we go out, we collect these pain points. Nobody tells us what to do with them. And then we never get to the place where we actually need to be with them, which are what are the threats behind those pain points and what priority does that threat represent? 
So yeah. I think I am a hundred percent in agreement with you that pain points are half a thing. That is our first half a thing rating. It is a half a thing. I agree. It's, I mean, from the, again, then that marketing standpoint, you know, okay, figure out the pains and write copy that shows how features and benefits solve the, the pain for the, the prospect. And that, you know, it goes back to, that's fantastic, but it still doesn't mean I'm going to, let's like, that's wonderful. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it. I mean, I literally know that WD-40 is going to solve my squeaky door. And it is, I don't even have to go buy it. It's sitting in the cupboard. <laughs> Does that, you know, so, and I know it's going to work. You don't even have to convince me. I have the thing that's going to solve this problem. And I, yet I do nothing about it because I have other priorities on, on Saturday that take precedent. And it's, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. So it's like, you know, I, I, it just, it, they're good to know, like we said, but um, pain points aren't priorities. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for your time and being here and your thoughts. Uh, really appreciated it. Thank you, Jesse. It was wonderful. You can find out more about the priority sale by visiting theprioritySale.com. That's also where you can go contact us to tell us your thoughts or just why our opinions are very bad. Or if you like something you heard and think others would like it too, share it with a friend or give us a rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. The Priority Sale Podcast is produced by Tiffany Jordan and Jesse Lafine. Editing and original music by Mark Ertle. The Priority Sale is a registered trademark of Revenue Path Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.